Holly Whitaker. And I am Laura McGowan. And this is Home Podcast. I just wanted to really, really drag that out. You go. I just got happy, so I can't do my intro. Well, then I had to channel anger. Um, well, I'm like, I don't know. It's I'm moving today. Um, well, I mean, like, I've been moving all weekend, but and the movers come tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Today's not the thirty first, right? Yeah. Um, no. And um, no, and um, my sister's coming over with her family to pick up a bunch of shit. And um, I don't know. It just made me like. I don't know. Do you ever have those moments where you're just like, everything is okay, you know, and like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, that happened just a minute ago. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I do have those moments. Mm-hmm. I love them. They're great. They're the best. So great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's distracting to see your video, but I, I'll practice looking at that camera eye like you do. Uh, what's going on? I... Uh, this week You've has had been a hard week. <laughs> had a really hard week. Yeah. You've had a hard week. Talk about the it. Inter- the internet is mean. The internet is very mean. Well, I mean, you and I have a very different, like, we've, we, like, let's talk about this because I think this is really interesting. You and I have a, a very different way of approaching negative feedback. Um, and I learned, I mean, and you have coached me on negative feedback for a while. And so mm-hmm. I don't read it. I um I block people that say I mean I don't block people that disagree with me. I really encourage disagreement. I don't want right. to be right um about everything and just have everyone agree with what I say. I really appreciate engaged discussion um yeah. and disagreement. Where I go where I, I don't what what I don't put up with, what I will never fucking put up with is assaults on my character or any other people's character. I eventually took down the Kelly Brogan thread that one time when I got upset with Kelly Brogan, mm. people like said, called her a witch doctor and all sorts of stuff. And yeah. um, I just, you know, if I catch it on my stuff, I delete it because I don't want to have... I just that when it's when we're when we start attacking people's character and calling people names, it's where, um, you know, like it, when it's not adding to the conversation, when it's not expanding the conversation, when it's just really that like icky stuff. So I don't leave it up, and you've told me it's great to not leave it up, and block is the new black, and all of that stuff, and then <laughs> and and I stopped, and and I used to make myself read all of the bad stuff and all the bad mm-hmm. letters, and then you told me. Don't do not litter your mind with mean stuff. So Megan reads everything before it gets to me, and she deletes the shit that hurts. I a couple of weeks ago, I was because of our, the time difference in Rome. I sent a newsletter out, and some guy said, like, basically says like something about me. Um, writes me back and says, "You, um, I hope you have a work visa for for Italy." Like, basically says. <laughs> You know, just this like pointless thing, but it hurts. It all yeah. like all of it when it when it's meant to hurt, it hurts. And so I don't mm-hmm. read it. And I enjoy a you know for the most part, stuff gets through for sure. But for the most part, I enjoy a pretty 
um, you know, like fair amount of, of, and I don't ever respond when people say fucked up things. I delete that shit. I've gotten, I've engaged with maybe three people that have said mean things to me. Um, and I, cause I just am not going to, I like, I'm not going to do that. And so anyway, all of this is my approach and your approach, even though you've coached me on this and have given me permission to kind of operate how I operate, you um, will engage. You'll leave that shit up. You will leave like vitriol up on st- like I I can't believe some of the stuff you leave up. And you also acknowledge the people and you engage with them and you read all of the shitty letters. You read all of the shitty letters. And the thing that's always been fascinating to me, and I'll shut the fuck up because I know this is like your thing, but like. When I, when you, the, the fascinating thing to me is always, um, when I read this stuff, you can see it on me. Like I die and like mm-hmm. it hurts. When you do it, it kind of like, I like, I'm like, I don't get it because you're like flipping about it sometimes. You know, it doesn't seem, and I know it does, but it doesn't appear to gut you the way it guts me. Yeah. Dis- discuss. <laughs> ready discuss yeah i i think that there is the one way that we're similar is i i don't um need i don't i like people to i don't need to be right either i don't i don't um delete or anything people that are disagreeing with me but the mean stuff is um is different I like, you know, people ask me questions all the time. Like, well, this seems to go like just this morning, someone commented, this seems to like, I like this, but it seems to fly in the face of something you posted earlier. Like, what's the difference? And I love that stuff because yeah. I want to talk about it. Um, so I like that. But the, this is how I, my perception of, of the, the things that come at me. One, there's one kind where it's just, um, where it's not super nasty. It's just someone maybe saying something that clearly, or that, that isn't kind, but it doesn't have much to do with me. Um, and I'll, I'll leave that stuff up or have in the past. Um, and then there's, there's vitriol, which is, I got, I got a lot of a lot this of week. this week. Yeah. Like a, ugh. a lot. And, uh, yeah. It. And, it, and it was, some really, really, really mean, (laughs) mean stuff. And I, I did read it. um, Both. Well, what is it? Do you want to explain like some of the stuff people said? Sure. Um, It was all in response. Some of it was in response to the episode you and I put out Mm -hmm. um, the recent home episode and people basically saying, you know, you are like, I don't like how you play. You seem to play the victim. I, you should get therapy. Uh, this is what I hear. We had a lot of requests for therapy. <laughs> yes. A lot of people think I should be in therapy. Um, I, Hey everybody, I am. So you can stop telling me that. Um, <laughs> we both are. <laughs> yes. There's a, there's a large support behind me. So don't worry. Um, I'm getting, I have had professional help for a long time. <laughs> um, I had a lot of the, like the, your perception of Holly is wrong. It's really this way. And, you know, some of that, some of that actually I looked at and I could see, um, it's just interesting. Like, of course you see it that way. That's your, you know, you see, we all see the world as we are. Right. 
through our own perception. But some there, of it, there are people. We have to be clear too. There are people that listen to the show that do not like me and love you, and people that oh, listen yeah. to the show that do not like you and love me. And there's people right. that love us both together. And but there's, I mean, we we know that we really do. And and that's you like, and that that's kind of why, and that's why it's so good, you know, because but this it is works. that's why, yeah. So. But this was a bit different this week because it was it was really personal because you and I went re like we went really personal. Um but that wasn't the only thing. You also have been I mean you've been posting other stuff too, like other oh, yeah, pretty no, vulnerable. So, okay. Yeah. So so there was that. It was like um it was almost like people had been waiting to tell me what they thought about me and you <laughs> and that I'm the asshole <laughs> and we and by having that conversation uh they felt like they had permission to because we had brought it to the forefront mm. fine so there's that and then the other the other stuff the really nasty stuff came from me posting um something about a, a text I wanted to send to a, to a guy who ghosted on me which we talked about him at the beginning. We talked about it right at the beginning of the episode when we recorded when we recorded last week's episode. Yeah, and the, that kind of stuff was like, you are crazy. You are needy. You are. Um, uh, I've never met anyone in real life. Why cause more hurt? <laughs> who has trouble getting a man? I know. Um, no, that girl said. I know dumb women, and fa- I posted about it because that one was over the top. It was just, it was so mean. It was so fucking mean. It was one of the cruelest things I've actually ever seen. Um, Me too. I think it actually does win the, the It wins cruel the cruel award. prize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you can like, say, like, it's all about that person, but that do- it doesn't, like, you, like, you can. Once you've seen the words, you can't really unsee them. <laughs> no. <laughs> like... <laughs> If I was if I was that guy, I would laugh at you too with my buddies. Um, I would run far, far away from you and laugh with my buddies at you. You like, <laughs> yeah. It was that one takes the that like literally takes the cake. Um. <laughs> yeah, so that 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 got under my skin uh, for sure. And, and you know, like when something is that over the top, there is an element where it's like. Some of the things she was saying, you know, like it's it's scary or it, it hurts if someone says things about you that you know are pretty true um, or that you suspect might be true or that, you you know, you've really tried like you wondered about. But there are certain things people can say to me that I don't that it's almost like, uh, OK, well, I don't know. That's you're not. Ta- I don't even I don't know what that is. And there was there was like a mixture, you know, in that in that diatribe that she sent me. You were hooked on some of the words she said. Like some of the words really hooked yeah. you and nailed you. And some of the words were like, whatever. Yeah, I get right. it. It's like like <laughs> it's really when she said, I've known dumb women and ugly women and um fat women. Fat women who have had no <laughs> problem. No, this is the kicker, who have had no problem finding a man to make them happy. That's where I was like, ew, you, you're uh, that you're right you're, now. Your right. thing falls off that like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. So anyway, I yeah, it's been a rough re- week that way, and and you know, to be fair, like I don't have a Megan. Um, I I do now. 
<laughs> you I hired a Megan. <laughs> hired a Megan, and I will have someone to help me now. And but I don't, you know, I haven't. I didn't have those things in place. And you and need everything. I, you get you. I, I honestly thought I, and I honestly thought I could that I was okay with it. You know, like I'll just read whatever and I'll delete. But can we talk about that though? Because why have you? You are the one that has been the one that's told me don't read this shit, don't do that. But you do it. Like, because I haven't been that affected by it. Like mm-hmm. maybe here and there, but for the most part, I haven't been that affected by How stuff. are you not affected by stuff, mean stuff? Most of the time I can see that it is not about me. I don't know. That's crazy. It hurts. It never doesn't hurt. Like I, like I just, it, like I don't think there's been, I don't know how, I, I don't, I, it just never doesn't hurt. It never doesn't hurt. Well, I can't say, yeah, I wouldn't have said before that it never, it, it, it never hurts. I would say I, I just, you know, it's like, um, I think Meadow once said to me or someone, maybe she heard it from someone that like exposure is safety or there's safety and exposure. And I have always felt like, just show me the thing. And once I see it, you know, like show me the snake. And once I see it, the snake becomes a rope and I'm not going to be afraid of it anymore. Um, but it turns out like, I don't need to see all the snakes and, uh, and, and what did it more, what really turned me more than how shitty it felt was how much time it took away from me, like how much energy it sucked, um, and how, um, wobbly it made me feel. Yeah. So. I can feel it too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that. And, and, you know, I I don't know. I also feel like for a long time, I was like, who cares? Like, who who takes the time to tell somebody that? You know, like, that's... that's Well, you know, I mean, that's... But that's not... That's spiritual bypassing. I'm so sorry. Like, that's... When we say, like, when we try and, like, diminish, like, like, it's... Of course, that makes sense. Of course. Who would take time to tell... Like, you know what I mean? Of course, it's about them. You know, like, all this stuff you can know. And knowing is one thing. I can rationalize the fuck out of something, uh, out of a, a, you know, an awful letter I get. You, You can completely dismantle it and all of those things. You know, like, like one time I got a letter and I'll never forget it. I used to read when I would get unsubscribes. I would, I was addicted Ugh. to following my unsubscribes on my <laughs> See, newsletter. That I don't follow. I've never and, followed that. And I don't, I don't anymore. Um, <laughs> but I used to read every unsubscribe reason. Um, and this one time, this one woman said, you've gotten away from like, like you've really gotten away from, from your writing and like, I'm just not interested in this direction you're going in. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> and like sat for a day with, you know, like with her opinion of it, you know, and I could, yeah. we, you know, we can rationalize it away, but that's like, I mean, I think like also one of the things is that I just don't, I don't want that stuff in me. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. energy. That's like other people's totally. meanness. Like, and you can feel it when pe- when somebody even says, somebody said something the other day and it was so simple. It wasn't really that hurtful, but, it, but the, but the charge behind it was hurtful. So it hurt. And yeah. I think like for me, I just, um, I don't know. Anyway, so no, so, I know it is spiritual bypassing, and I'm really good at that until it doesn't work anymore. You know, man. Um, so, 
So you've so, had yeah. a hard week. I mean, that's like the sum of the sum of it is. It felt like you got stoned this week, and not like in the good way. Or the- <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> like getting with stones. stoned was never good to me. But yes, oh, um, I love getting felt- stoned. I know you did. It's so weird. <laughs> What? Yet another reason we're different. People I just know. joined your team and my team now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I got stoned this week and and uh, with stones, and we mean like a stoning, like literally everyone threw everyone everyone gathered their rocks and threw them at you, um, uh, Laura. <laughs> and I don't know if they did it at me because of the filters. That's right. Um, and I won't know from now on. So <laughs> people that people that hate me, um, you can. <laughs> You can um you can write the emails if you want, but I won't be no, seeing them anymore. No, no, no. Anyway, like the point is, the point of it is, is it's like it's part of this. It's this. It is like you know, the more that we do, the more you know. And I think sometimes, like one of the other things we talked about as well is the is that you know, like we and I told you this yesterday. So when you and I interviewed Glennon in the episode that wasn't aired. We did Mm -hmm. talk about writing from the open wound. And what she said was people didn't like it when she wrote from the open wound. And Mm -hmm. like when she was, when she would write, you know, in really raw states. And I remember that. I remember it. Do you remember that? Totally. Okay. And that, so, and, and so, and maybe it was even in the recorded interview. I can't remember, but I remember it so well. And I, I always, and I've always, you know, ran a fine balance between, Writing from the open wound, right? Which means, hey guys, I'm depressed right now, or hey, I am in this mm-hmm. space, or in your case, like this fucker ghosted me and I hate him. Which is, mm-hmm. which are with that post you wrote about that guy is a post all of us could have written. It is, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It wasn't the most mature thing. It wasn't, you know, but it was what we all have been through. We have all been there on some level. We have all felt that towards another human, man or man or woman or whatnot. Right. And so, but that's writing from the open wound. And so I recently posted about this, about like, because Kat Marnell wrote that biography and like it was, and she got, you know, people were like, she's glamorizing drugs because she's still using them because she's still addicted. And like people wait until it's prettier before they start writing about it. You know, they really Mm -hmm. do. And what that leaves us with is an impression that you just go from point A to Z. It does not cover this like gray area that's really ugly. And so you and I do the balance. We do balance between writing from the open wound and writing from the retrospective. And I posted something about this and, um, and somebody, you know, like really, you know, smartly pointed out, Glennon had said something very different about this at a, a conference, and she said, "Don't write from the open wound, right? right?" And I rarely disagree with Glennon, but on that, I will say, like I've seen her do it, and I also think she said that it's dangerous or something like, like having time to, like you know, like sh- sharing that level of vulnerability is um is a really big, like it is sharing it is is on some level dangerous i don't remember the words she said probably not dangerous but like writing from that place and sharing it immediately and putting that out in the world um it's a much different thing than putting out old stuff you know this happened here i am now um and so when you do that which is basically what our episode was last week we're still going through it i mean like you know Mm -hmm. like there was somebody posted i think you guys uh, like somebody posted (laughs) on mine you need to keep. That was really awkward. I think you guys still need to do some talking. I think you still need to do some talking. I was like, it wasn't awkward for us. And of course we still need to do talking. Are you kidding? We just went through mm-hmm. this like period of time where like where our very, very close and intimate and complicated relationship went through a very big 
like it, you know, it made a, it made a big turn mm-hmm. and, um, and we're still working through it. And like, of course, like we still need to talk because of course we're still talking and we will forever be in a conversation like this. But anyway, the point of what I'm saying is that we, you know, like last, like when you put out, I think like this kind of tracks back to maybe what Glennon was trying to say is like last week you put out a lot of stuff. You put out your shit out there, you know, mm-hmm. like, but like between those two posts and maybe other things, but it was just like within one week and people like the thing is when you put it out is here is where I am and it's not pretty and it's not where we want you to be. It's not where we want you to be, Laura. We right, want I'm- you to be somewhere else. You need therapy. You need you are a victim. You are doing this. It is not where we want you to be. And so what we're going to tell you is what we think we should that you should do in order to get where we think you should go. That's right. what it is. Or here's what's wrong with you because you were in this place. Or you are right. fucking crazy. You know, because that is what real looks like. Real looks very, very unsettling. It is not mm-hmm. pretty and there is a long way to go. And we don't like it. People do not like it. They want it to be, they want to hear your, like, here I, they want your before and after. They do not want your middle. And so, I, anyway, I think, like, Part of that is like that is I I think what Glennon was talking about in terms of why it's such a a very different thing to write from the open wound or to share from the open wound because oh you know we saw right you saw yeah and I I you know I do want to say like by and large feedback is like ninety five percent supportive and not like you're right or you're okay you know you're like we love you but it's like fine and you but we always drill into the the ones you know the one or two or three or ten or whatever that say that say nasty shit that um, but yeah is so uh, true yeah writing from the <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a there's something important about writing from the open wound I mean I wrote a lot when I was still trying to get sober and I think that was helpful for me yeah, and thereby helpful for others but um yeah I don't know it's a it's a continual balancing act. And look, like we change our mind all the time. Glennon said one thing, then maybe she said another thing and I say one thing and I, you know, may say something different two weeks later. And I don't know, it's all, um, it's, I think we just really, really, really self-included have to remember that there are humans on the other side of our phones and our computers and all of that. It's like so easy to just sling a bunch of shit. I know. And you're right. And I really want to like emphasize that. Like the number of like supportive things were were like far. I mean, you're right. They were 9.5 to 0.5. If right. if even. It was probably a bigger ratio than that, you know, positive. Um Yeah. But no, we're talking I mean, about the negative shit. <laughs> we're right. talking about the the other ones. And the but, other thing we wanted to talk about in, you know, in along the same lines is like we talked about what our struggle has been in the last episode. And we didn't talk about like all the ways that we support each each other other and support each other. And even did, you know, have through really tough shit. Um, I I think we kind of left that out and we should, we should, we should talk about, we should talk about how much we love each other and how much we support each other. No, I mean, it's just like, I think one of the things somebody wrote posted. So like, uh, something really 
perfect that said this is like the exact uh the exact description of like the holy relationship and of course the miracles mm-hmm. and i think that you and i have this like there is that like you know it's just like that idea like a kid you know knows his mother is standing there and so he can what do, what do they call that like when you start like testing your yeah like I you have your mom is standing there and that gives you the safety to move towards the outer edges and right. um and there is a safety between us and i think there's a bigger i think like the thing that came of it was that there's a bigger safety now I'm, I'm not afraid of losing you now you know like right. and that doesn't mean I take you for granted it just means um you know there is a safety there of of figuring this out I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna lose you for for there's misstepping. not an anxiety yeah yes but like the thing I think like one of the the reason that we the reason that we're you know willing to kind of go through this um, the hard stuff is because the good stuff is just amazing. Like you and I talk all day, every day, almost every day. Like we, there's rare, when you, I don't, haven't talked to you in a day. It's a very weird thing. Um, I can tell you about anything in the middle of being angry with, you know, with mm-hmm. each other, we can, we can ask each other and we have so many times, you know, like supported each other on Christmas day of last year. Um, I sent you something to read and you didn't read it. You were with your family and I just was in the middle of my shit and I lost my shit um, and I was, I mean, I went off on you and then you, mm-hmm. you like, you know, you and I couldn't talk in that moment, but then you like, you always send, you know, you send a bat signal. You posted this thing on Instagram, which was, you know, I pray that you continue and like, you know, mm-hmm. I think there's just this, there's this, um, there's always this current of love between us where we, um, like I, when I, you know, like uh, some of those letters were really in favor of me and, um, not very nice to you. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, and that was kind of one of the worst things to see, you know, I think of all of it. Um, I do. Well, I mean like, you know, obviously not the worst thing. Um, but no, I mean, there is a part of me that's just not, I don't want, my person to hurt um no, and yeah. i and oh my i God, completely see my person and her struggle in a way that i think a lot of like i see you you know because i'm so close to it and um you know and and all the good and the bad on my side and all the good and the bad on your side and i see you in, in a way that i just um i don't know i don't um it's just it's hard to explain but there's so much good between us and um yeah, and and like the the support and all of the all of that is that has been there all along, and it is and it is there and it continues. And even when I was, <clears throat> even when I was in my, you know, prime of my fuck you, like fuck you, fuck you, maybe forever stage, it was never like fuck you, and I hope I hope things fail, or fuck you, and I hope yeah. you're you're like <laughs> dying, and fuck you, and I hope you know you're miserable. It was it was. Truly, completely the opposite yeah. of that. It yeah. was like, fuck you, but God, I hope you're doing, I hope everything is amazing. And, I know, it is. And all of that. Yeah. So. I know. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's just, we have a good thing. Like, that's why, I mean, that's like the basis of, of why, you know, I think it's it's easy to kind of weather some really hard things because we, um, I don't know, because we love each other. Yeah. Um, you're my lobster. Yeah. Lobsters. Oh God. Yeah. So I hope, I hope the, this week was good, you know, and I posted a thing last night. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a Leonardo DiCaprio quote and I kind of, no, you did not. God, I love him. Yeah. I do whole, not uh, love him. Mm. Uh. 
Why? How can you love like Ryan Gosling, but you don't oh, like Leo? Ryan Gosling? Um, because, oh my God, really? Are you asking that question? Um, I don't know because Leo, Leo, whatever is, um, he's kind of a womanizer. I mean, kind of. How do you know that? From Us Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, give, give I Ryan don't some know. time. It'll be known that way, too. No. Um, I don't know. We have no. preferences. Don't we? Don't we all have preferences? Yeah, but I I, I like Leo not because he's a babe. I mean, I think he kind of is, but I Oh, he's a brilliant actor. Fuck yeah. Him. Like the old stuff when he was really you know, young and kind of freaky, like basketball diaries and growing pains. I think it's amazing. So anyway, but my point is he, <laughs> I didn't realize this quote came from him and I was kind of like, Oh, that's good. I don't, what is it? Quote what is it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, it was like every, every next level of your life will require a different version of you. And oh, yeah, you know, this, this is another, yeah, that's him. Okay. You text this me that the growing pains. Thing yeah, for I, sure. know. And, I know. I know. One time yeah. I quoted Jordan Belfort, and I didn't know who Jordan Belfort was. John, <laughs> Well, ironically, who's who Leonardo DiCaprio played in The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yes. Now that you say that, I, d- I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That movie was hard to watch, man. God, that was a good fucking movie. God, he is such a good actor. He really is a good you actor. It was a good movie that I watched this week, and I know you've already seen it, and I was all excited to tell you, and you're like, ugh. I've oh seen it. yeah, I've seen Lar- every Ryan Gosling Jr. movie. The real girl. Yeah, I know. Seen every one of his movies. Um, did you see Drive? Fuck yeah, I did. I was so I drunk when I saw that. that. Like, have you, have you seen it? No. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I saw my neighbor. I used to have this neighbor, and he was um, severely addicted to alcohol, and um, he became my buddy because of that. He was my next door neighbor. He was crazy. I mean, he would like he would get into his apartment and start. He would scream at his cat. He was like he was out of his mind. Yeah. Um. He was not okay, and um. And we would hang out. He had a huge TV, and like we would just like hang out in the evenings and smoke pot, and you know, um drink cases of beer and I remember watching Drive it was when I was in the thick of it and that soundtrack unfortunately I cannot listen to anymore because I used to play it all day while I was sitting at home in my bed drinking beer and working um it just reminds me of oh god I can't I know and it was such a good soundtrack oh my god you know what I can't hear without feeling such nostalgic melancholic sadness and heart and just heart pangs is garden state and that's one of the best soundtracks ever oh yeah i can see that i came on yeah that was 2007 or something and it was was before that it was way before that it was like 2005 okay that makes sense actually yes 2005 is right before i got married yeah yeah, that I was because I was looking for a good movie and I asked and and it was Meadow who was like, we just watched Garden State again and it was so good. I was like, no, I can't do Garden State. <laughs> and she was like, watch Lars and the Real Girl. I was yes. like, what? And then you read the synopsis. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Isn't and it? it? So it's so good. good. It was so good. I cried for half of it, which is exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. 
Well, I so. watched all four Hunger Games recently, back to back, and I just finished The Handmaid's Tale. Um, yeah, whenever I'm like trying, whenever I'm like, uh, like I'm pressing on my business right now, and so I freak out a lot, so I have to tune out a lot. So yeah. I'm deep into TV. Um, yeah. But yeah, I watched all. I watched the whole season of The Handmaid's Tale. Oh my god. Oh my god, it's so good. Okay, we've really got to get to this. So, what is this episode about? Poor Scott, but Scott, we needed this. We're sorry. We love you. Um, Scott is on the show again. Scott Stabile. Yes, and it's because he. Yeah, we brought him on because his book, his new first, his first book. Well, no, that's not true. Yeah, he has another book, but this is his first um, book. 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 His first like nonfiction memoir personal essays book um called big love and it's so good you guys and scott is one of our favorite people uh in the world he's a friend he's like an actual real life he's an irl person an irl person um yeah i was really i told him that i was terrified about reading this book because um i didn't like i it's the same reason azita's writing a book right now i was terrified of reading azita's book which both were great and um but you just don't want to read your friend's book and you know and it'd be shitty um but i i i read it i couldn't put it down i read it within a day i think and i think the thing that just got me the most was i mean you want to talk about just writing about the shit i mean scott i wrote i was reading it i was like oh my god scott is so much weirder than i thought um (laughs) like he is he is fucking weird. And, um, <laughs> and, and I love him more. And I, well, I mean, obviously, like, that's, you know, that's, I mean, that's kind of the, the punchline is like the weirder they are, the better they are. Um, but you, because he's so unassuming, he's this Midwest boy, you know, he's this very sweet, um, gentle Midwest boy. And, um, and that I was very surprised um, reading this. Like I don't know, it just was, and it was funny. I mean, I was I was laughing. Like that's the best part is I was laughing out loud and yeah. um, and texting him as I was reading it, and, um, <laughs> and like out of relief, like this is good. <laughs> Thank God. No, I know it is funny. He's funny. He's, he's funny. funny. And he's, yeah. Yeah. So this is um, the book comes out September seventh. You could pre-order Order it now. Yeah, please pre-order it because it really helps boost his sales. It really sets a different. And it, it really helps to to you know like get him more exposure so he can write more books. Hmm. And he's going to be on book tour. So check out check out his dates. I think his website is just Scott Stabile, and he has an amazing Facebook community, um, a really big one, and he does a lot of, like, Facebook Live stuff, and he's just lovely. So He's lovely, yeah. It was wonderful to have him back. Yeah, it was. It was. Okay, well, I love you. Love you, too. Okay. Bye. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye. Here we go. All right, so where are you, Scott? Are you in Michigan? I'm in Michigan. Michigan. I was going to say Minnesota. I'm in Detroit. Yeah, I'm in Detroit. It's pretty badass, right? Like, it's a good... It's awesome. Yeah. Come visit me here. It's really great. And uh, there's a lot happening in the city right now. And I live about a block away from Eastern Market, this market that's been around for decades, like forever, ever, ever. Um, And it's this amazing on Saturday, this massive farmer's market. 
on Sunday it's like kind of an artist market and it's just a really cool hub in the city um, just a really good vibe and people from all over the place coming in and buying you know fresh vegetables and things like that and artsy stuff it's cool it's great I love it is there a, like a, f- a f- um, farm farming there is there like, <laughs> Far- there there is. like are there farms like, are there agriculture okay not like i mean it's it's no there's farms here i mean but it's you know in the (laughs) summer especially i would say is when you're getting a lot of the the freshest produce and stuff like that what kind of produce what's like how is it different than california because here like stone fruit there aren't any nuts and stuff but like there's all kind i mean tomatoes and cucumbers (laughs) and zucchini (laughs) and like you know (laughs) you know like i I don't know what's the thing in that area because it's like california's avocados well michigan's an apple state and a cherry state um yeah cherries are tasty but in the summer everything grows here because it's really hot you know what i mean and there's lots of rain yeah so And pretty much everything, I think. I don't know. Like I'm not a farm. <laughs> we're asking him these inane questions, Holly. When you were when you were restarting it's your computer, not an inane question. Sorry. When, when you were was- when you were restarting your computer, I was like, uh, "So, what do you do in the summer there?" <laughs> He's like, looks at me like, "What? I'm getting ready to launch my book." <laughs> oh right, right. Yeah, you wrote a book. That's what we're I here did. to talk about. Have you done any interviews for your book yet? You're the first. Yeah. Are, you're yes. the first. Well, I did a, I actually, I mean, that's kind of a lie. I mean, you are the first, but the yeah. other day I did another one. Okay. <laughs> so you're really the second. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, the other day, the interview the other day wasn't really for my book. It was something else. So you're really the first, like, in this, like, okay. podcast interview series okay. for Big Love. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I have to say, I was, I read your book, um, in a minute. I, I consumed it. It was such a joy to read and it was so funny. Um, I thought, I mean, like my, my thought, I, I laughed out loud a lot. I think I kept texting you and, um, cause I was just blown away by, by just how, I mean, how weird you are. Like I knew you were weird, but I didn't realize the extent of your weird. And then also just, I mean, you're just an interesting dude and you're also like, and, and I, I want to say, and I couldn't find the parts cause I didn't underline them and it's been like two months now, but also kind of mean, um, but in the best way. Um, like when I read it, I just felt very, I felt even more like I knew why we were close friends and like why I love you so much. It was just, I, I couldn't put it down. I read it very quickly. Yeah. Yay, it was you. like being in a conversation with you. Like you were, um, you're funny. You're really funny. And you are like, you are that way in person, but it, something else came out in the writing and then you, um, yeah, you're weird, and you do have mean, mean thoughts that you talk about, which is great because we all have them. <laughs> we just don't say so. <laughs> and then, of course, there's a lot of heaviness in there, you know. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Which we want to talk yeah. about. Cool. Well, thank you guys. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's it's. I'm in a yeah, general. I was worried. I mean, I you know what I mean? Too. When your friend writes a book and you're like, yeah, I'll totally read it. And then yeah. you're like, fuck, this was bad. Yeah. No, and it was really, I was very, I was, um, 
I mean, I, lo- I it was a good. It wasn't just like, oh, good, this is okay. It was like this is a really good book, and and I was captive. Like I I read it within I think within a twenty four hour period, um, which is which means I really liked it. Usually, um, I don't do that if I don't like it. So no, it was, I yeah, was I you read it before I did, Hall, because you got it. And I kept telling you about it before I did. Well, you got it like we were doing our our workshop series and you started reading it when you were going to heading to Chicago. And I showed up at the hotel room and you had been reading it and you had almost finished it in like a day. And I hadn't even I hadn't even received it yet. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah. And you said all of those same things that you were just saying now about scott and the book so it was it was awesome and it's total relief to like like it it's a a relief for me yeah (laughs) can you talk about that were you did you know it was good Mm. um no well do you know what i mean yeah i would say Honestly, I'll just tell you where I am right now. I am like functioning in a state of total anxiety these days. Like I'm the books coming out on September 7th. I'm super excited. But parallel to that is this like unwavering anxiety about all of it, about like um, uh, putting it out there. I sure, you know, it's very personal and I'm just in any anytime I've seen it referenced, it's always like, and his parents were murdered and his brother died and he was in a cult. And it's like those are the that's like the trilogy of descriptors about this book. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is what my you know, this is what I'm going to be talking about for the next month. These things. And I knew that, obviously, when I wrote the book, I mean, I was the intention was to share everything, you know, that I could think of sharing in, in this book. And. Um, but the reality of sharing everything and is uh, it's it feels right now a little overwhelming. Yeah. And did I'm I know it was? S- oh, I'm so sorry. curious about that though. Like speci- like how? Like what are what are some of the anxiety thoughts that you have? Well, I mean, and this goes back to the question: Do I think it's good? I mean, one of the anxiety thoughts is um, just the the insecurity about my writing. You know, when I, it's like I feel like I can communicate as a writer. Yes. So from that, you know, from that perspective, yes, I feel like the writers I really admire. My writing is not even doesn't even touch their uh, their their skill. So I. So do I think it's good? I think it's, I believe absolutely it's going to connect with people. Yeah. And I think that people who connect with my writing are, are you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think I, there's an audience for the way I write. Um, and that's awesome, you know, and beautiful. But when I, when I get into like the crazy comparison mm-hmm. mode of writing, I'm like, um, okay, this doesn't stack up. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's yeah. just... But I do believe that's all bullshit. I really do. But it doesn't stop me from still feeling anxious and insecure. And like, how are people going to receive this? And I've written longer things on Facebook, but not like this. I've never mm-hmm. shared lengthy chapters like this. Um, and that said, how I really feel, it's like, it's all it's all nonsense. Like I, And I really do believe that. It's like, if I take to heart the people who love the book, then I have to take to heart the people who hate it too. In terms of if I'm going to receive criticism, you're receiving all the criticism. So I'm kind Mm -hmm. of like trying to just like, people are going to receive this how they receive it. 
Does that make sense? One, yeah, one of my one of my teachers said something like, uh, "When I was go when I put my first blog post out, um, and I was rejecting all the negative feedback, and I was I was really stuck on all the positive feedback." She said, "I could reject all feedback," and she goes, "But there's a catch to that, which means that you have to reject the good feedback as well as the bad feedback. Meaning you like if you you can't just take the good stuff in and leave the bad stuff out because that creates a big imbalance." And it was this really like um and it still is something that I think about a lot today because I do like I'll read stuff and I'll get hurt by it I'll get hurt mm-hmm. by by poor opinions or or um you know but I and I actually tend to cling to the worst you know stuff more than the good stuff like if somebody writes yeah. me a beautiful letter about how I've I've touched them um I will remember the you know the one liner of the asshole on Facebook you know totally. that just totally. and so but like it's this beautiful thing where I I really still feel like I can I mean at the end of the day I like that Brene Brown thing I think Laura you told me about it where I just have I mean there I really care about just so few people's true opinion of it like I'll send everything to Laura and if she likes it or if she thinks it's shit then that matters Mm -hmm. um because I trust her opinion in it and and really I spend a lot of time rejecting the rest of it so I I think that's what you're saying like I think that's it's exactly what I was saying yeah about if you because that like in every element of life like if you open yourself up to receiving you're opening yourself up to receiving you can't just close out the you know negative stuff without also shutting a door to to everything you know and i but i also the it's it feels like it all of every insecurity imaginable is coming up for me right now as this book is about to launch and it's like it's (laughs) making me borderline miserable i'm being an especially impatient and an asshole with my partner and then feeling like complete shit about myself for that as well. And he's being loving and patient and, but it's, it's just like, damn it. Why can't this just be like a, a high positive, great experience? <laughs> yeah. And it, it is also that too. Do you know what I mean? Like it's also, there are yeah. these moments of like, wow, this is really happening and it's happening soon. And people, I sent it to my family. Finally, Ooh. I had let my, my, my three sisters and two nieces um, who've been like, why aren't you letting us read this book? And they're, they <laughs> My, a couple of my sisters were also freaking out because I talk about our family and they're feeling really nervous about that. And that was making me nervous too. And and you haven't I, shown them anything? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. no, I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, obviously curious <laughs> no, about that. I didn't show them. Holly and I, I, mean, I, also, I don't guys, mean to laugh. I'm just no, like. It's, it's all funny. It's like I'm watching like this, <laughs> like how it's so funny because I'm when I'm with people in general, like. I people experience me as this very grounded, peaceful person <laughs> with this like soothing voice. And and the truth is when I am with other people, I tend tend to be because I also happen to surround myself with a lot of neurotic people. So my energy shifts when I'm around <laughs> that and I do get more grounded. But I'm like, I am such an anxious, nervous, crazy person. Like that's and and I'm <laughs> and all of that is boiling up so much right now as I put this book out about like how to deal with your crazy side and right. you know what I mean and but that's yeah. the big joke about it all because that's what makes you so likable and relatable you know honestly and probably all the people that you like too like I when you're talking I'm thinking about when I quit my job and how insane the fears were like the truly the most insane things I've ever thought, like banks are going to stop working or that like I will never I, my cell phone will never work again. And I'll be in this place where I can't communicate with anybody like 
really big, stupid, crazy thoughts. But that's because it was such a big deal. You know, like this is a big yeah. deal. This is like a long totally. time dream of yours that you totally. is finally happening. It's and it's happening. never yeah. what we think it's going to be like. No. Yeah. And uh, and I am excited. And I really do. F- I feel good about the book. Like I'm like, this book's going to connect with people. So yeah. I do feel that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, right? To watch your mind just go, Wow. You yeah, it's are. exhausting sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny sometimes, it's exhausting sometimes and uh Do you yeah, have but, anyone that you that you're like pals with that has gone through this that you that you're talking to right now? Not not really. I guess not really. Not in this I mean, yeah, that's not true. I've talked to a couple other writers, like not close pals, I would say. Yeah. Um it feels different. I, yeah, not that this hasn't been done a million times over for other people putting out their book. That's not different. But I guess in my life and in my circle, not really. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a big deal, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And not a book like this, not a nonfiction, you know, memoir right. style. Like it's putting your, you're like vomiting your life out there for the world. to. <laughs> we have no idea what that's like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So the one, the line that I think stuck out the most for me in the entire book was, I continue to learn things about myself that I wish weren't true. And I thought like, I think probably for me, one of the things that was most eye-opening about this book was I couldn't, I actually um, was surprised in a good way by the level, by how much you went there, meaning like really just kind of going pretty personal and, and talking about the the about the things I think about the things about yourself that you wish weren't true right yeah. like mm-hmm. that um you know there's like the um there's just there's so much self-awareness but also there's just like and and it's it's so um it's also self-awareness and the details it's not just one big story it's just in these small little moments mm-hmm. I love the I love the part about yourself where you're you're on the balcony and then you have the dance party with yourself and like that con- <laughs> that conversation where your mind is judging where you're judging yourself mm-hmm. for dancing and then you're like telling yourself to shut the fuck up for judging yourself <laughs> for dancing um even talking I, I think, about the coughing same la- same thing for me oh the coughing yeah. <laughs> yeah um there's like you have it's um I want to say when I read it, I like I I can I feel so much of that same stuff. Like I feel I I recognize all of it, you know, especially mm-hmm. the dancing part because I've had to overcome. Well, no, I mean at a really young age, my sister told me I couldn't dance and I shouldn't, and I just kind of stopped trying because I'm I'm a little klutzy and and uh, whatever. Um, and so and I started to kind of dance a couple of years ago, and I'll still catch myself, and nobody's fucking looking. Like no uh-huh. one is fucking <laughs> looking, and I'm worried about how I look you know I'm trying to make sure that like I don't look like a fool in my own presence and it's like it's crazy right it's crazy it's totally crazy I know I so anyway I want you to talk about that like because I read it and I go pretty deeply and pretty I go far in terms of what I put out and I even felt myself as I was reading it saying I don't know if I would write that I don't know if I would be Mm -hmm. you know like enough going there like he's really going there and putting it all like you're put like the you know the temper tantrum you had with your partner about wanting to leave Panama and like, it's just like um, talk about that 
<laughs> talk about just putting it out there. Talk about your most embarrassing like, stuff. How did yeah. you guys go to that level? Like, what was it in you? Like, were you just like, fuck it, I'm going there? Like, how did that, like, how did you get to the, the point of being able to talk at such, you know, about really like the parts of yourself that you wish weren't true? You know? Yeah, I think, well, I'm, I mean, I think in part, that's also why I'm feeling really anxious about the book coming out mm-hmm. is that like putting that all out there in this way, but also knowing one, I believe you two absolutely would, would put all that. I feel like you're putting that level of honesty out there all the time. That's my experience of the work you're doing. But for me, it was just recognizing like this book is about, um, bringing love and, you know, compassion and kindness to life in general. And and a necessary part of that story is bringing it to ourselves and looking at the ways in which we don't. And I, I feel like the only way I could do that, honestly, was like to share like what's going on in my mind, you know, all of this all of this wackiness that's happening because anytime I do, anytime I've noticed on my on my Facebook page, which is where most of my social community exists, Anytime I share that stuff, the stuff that's like embarrassing to share, it's when the most people chime in Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Like I I shared this a post about eating ice cream and sitting down with the pint of ice cream. And I was like eating it. And the whole time I'm eating this pint of ice cream, because part of my in that moment, I love ice cream and I happily eat ice cream. But in that moment, I was it that ice cream was all about numbing something <laughs> was just like, feed me ice cream after I ate like a half a bag of chips. And I'm eating that ice cream. And so my the whole dialogue was this, it was like, okay, um, it's okay that you're eating this ice cream, you know, it's totally fine. It's just ice cream shifting to you don't have to eat the whole thing this isn't good for you like why are you making this choice right now to put this sugar this toxic sugar into your body right back to hey it's okay loosen up you're human it's okay that you're putting this toxic stuff in your body it doesn't really matter eat the thing to stop scott stop you know it was this crazy back and forth between the part of me that wanted to be okay with downing a part of ice cream and the part of me that wanted to make a better choice for myself in the moment. And those two voices battling back and forth the whole time I'm eating this ice cream. And it was like that in the, like the, the story in, in big love about dancing. It's mm-hmm. like, that part of me that's like, just dance freely. And then the ego comes in. It's like, you look like an asshole. You know, you look like a girl, like all these things that my ego will pick out. You know, you look so feminine. You look ridiculous. You look like an old person trying to be cool. (laughs) That voice. And then the other voice at the same time being like, dude, just be free. You're great. This is the way you move. This is beautiful. And that insane battle that goes on in our minds and then recognizing, you know what? there's room for all of it. Like, that's humanity. Mm -hmm. Like, and and for me, I think the, so to answer your question, I feel like I am inspired most by the creatives, writers, especially right now in my life, who are bearing their souls for themselves, but also with the recognition that when we bear our souls the way you two do in your writing and in this podcast, we are oh, we are creating a space for others to do so as well and we're creating a space for other people to recognize like i am not alone in this insanity in my head mm-hmm. this is this is the way human beings think often yeah. and it's okay yeah. this is who we are this is how we react this is how we respond and um and 
And also when you're writing, I find when I let myself go there in writing, I it's a little bit safer because even the reality of writing this book wasn't even when I had the publishing deal and knew that I was writing the book, there's still this little bit of a safety net of feeling like, well, nobody's reading it really. Just my, you know, my, my it's just on my computer. It's still, it's still safe enough. And, and you know, like you're going to let it go. Mm -hmm. You know that you're going to put it out there, but you still feel like just get it all out. Just get it all out. It's your first draft. It's just what you're sending off. You know, and now I'm living with the like, Oh my God, people are going to know how crazy I am. <laughs> like, there are, there, there's no changing it. It's off to the printer. And, but anytime that happens, and I think you guys probably know that too, anytime you do it, people are so grateful. Yeah. You know, it's like, thank you for sharing your craziness. Thank you for sharing your insecurities. Thank you for just showing who you are. And, yeah. because, you know, and, and, and I think that line you said, Holly, I don't rem even remember what it was, your favorite line about... I continue to learn things about myself I wish weren't true. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's, that's just a sign of openness. Like anytime we open ourselves to experiencing life for real, we are, as we've talked about earlier, we're opening ourselves to the darker parts too. And we're open. I feel like I'm opening myself to the darkness within me. Like I thought I was an asshole before, like, oh my God, I can be a really giant, mean, nasty asshole. But that awareness only comes because I'm more open to seeing it mm -hmm. because yeah. it, that's for me, a beautiful thing. Like that recognition, it's like, wow, I'm really becoming open now because I see what a dick I am. <laughs> 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 like you're always a dick but now you just yeah. see it because you're open yeah. to everything is there stuff yeah. you didn't put in like was there some stuff that you're like i just can't and why if there was you know i i mean i'm sure there probably is but i don't i mean there was a a chapter that that didn't make the cut, not because of my fear of putting it in there, but I didn't end up like the chapter didn't just, it didn't end up congealing the way I wanted to. And that was all about, um, compare comparison and envy, mm. which is, damn, a really, that's a good topic though. I know, I know. And I, and it was, it was, um, it's ugly. Like those are some of the uglier feelings, especially when it's with people you love and adore. And I was talking about being on a conversation with one of my best friends who had been struggling in his job for as long as he'd been in the job. And we were having this conversation and I, I love and adore him. He's a total brother. And then we were having this conversation. He was talking about how well things were going and he, you know, he had a promotion he was making all this money and everything was going so well in his job. And I'm, I'm watching my mind on the one hand, be happy for him. And on the other hand, feeling like, Oh my God, I was so much more comfortable when you were having struggles with your job. I know. And feeling disgusting. Yeah. Inside, like disgusting. And I think of like when, when Glennon, whom we all adore, that was going to be part of that chapter too, because she's really one of my favorite human beings on the planet and favorite writers and humanitarians. And when she announced Love Warrior, uh -huh. my, oh my, yeah, Laura, we had a little, we had an email us. exchange about that. Yeah. When she announced Love Warrior, it's like, oh my God, this is the most exciting announcement. It came out of the blue and I'm like, suddenly Glennon has a new book. And then I was like, every, 
envious, jealous thought, like, you know, she's this and I'm just a lowly self-published blah, blah, blah. And everything's great in Glennon's life. And she's, you know, and stealing everything. (laughs) Yeah. Feeling just like a piece of shit about myself because like probably the writer I admire the most in the world just announces a new book, you know, and feeling all this jealousy and envy. And um, that's for me one of the uglier things. And when it, it's directed at the people I'm really, because I don't even really know Glennon, not really, but the people I I love and care about in my life, and uh, and then I'm and I just try to remind myself, this is human too. You are you are not alone in this. This people experience this, and I I really I just keep coming back to acceptance. Like I think that's the biggest for me, the biggest gift in my life that's happened in the past few years is my willingness to go to this accepting place what does that mean for you though because that's such a that's such a triggery word in a way like it's too frou-frou like it can be i mean i'm writing about it right now and i'm so i'm particularly interested in what you have to say i mean for me it means that acknowledgement that like i think it more than anything like this is human like your your craziness when you're dancing alone in your apartment that wants to judge you that's human and and knowing that and really really connecting with that understanding we are just human beings and all of this noise and all of this nonsense is part of the human experience and that the more i can accept those different parts of myself the more um the more the more tolerable they become it just for me it 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 removes that some of that battle of judgment, judging myself for all the ways in which I'm not this enlightened person and all the ways in which I'm not as um, completely loving as I want to be all the time. And I'm not as intelligent as I want to be all the time. And I, I think maybe it's esoteric because it's just, I don't think that there's a specific practice you can do to all of a sudden be accepting. And I also am not always accepting. And, <laughs> yeah. But I try to accept that part too, the fact that I'm not able to accept everything about myself. There's that level of acceptance. Yeah. yeah. I think it's so, it's so interesting because it's like, before, I would say, even maybe uh, a year ago, I would talk about acceptance in a way of still being feeling kind of grandiose. Like, like... What do you mean? Like, yeah, you're, you know, your stuff is human, um, but your humanness is, like, still and sometimes in some ways uglier than mine. And then really seeing my humanness like seeing it for real and seeing how resistant I am to accepting that it's it's not just kind of imperfect it's so grossly imperfect it's disgusting like it's It's like you and I like we just had Laura and I have it you're our first podcast in two months and Laura and I had a thing a couple months ago that we'll talk about on our next one Um, but like it brought up the stuff in me that was like a well of shame, Mm -hmm. like the darkest stuff, the lowest stuff, the base stuff, like envy, jealousy, competition, 
like fear that there's not enough, which is what we're mm-hmm. talking about, right? Yeah, like, which is right. the stuff that comes up when you see somebody else that's making it and you're not, or like that you compare yourself to. It's that you think there isn't enough to go around, like that you're not getting your share, that like, um, you know, like it brings out that part in you that's like, that's putting you, like that just cares about you and your survival in a world mm-hmm. that, you know, believes there's not enough to go around. Mm-hmm. And it's like the most, like it is the, I think for me, feeling it and confronting that because nobody wants, nobody wants to admit they've got that. Like, right. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'll admit, you know, I'll admit all of it. I'll talk about all of the stuff, but when it comes to like, I can talk about my depression or I can talk about, you know, like, but when it comes to the part where you're talking about that, like mean, like little part of you that just mm-hmm. is like mine, mine, mine want, um, it's, it's so like I I ta- I sat down and I talked to my therapist like kind of like um in the heat of this thing and I sat down and I said oh my god I'm like I am uh, a hoarder of attention and I am like afraid that there's not you know and I like talked about it and as I'm talking about it I'm like my hand my my face is in my palms because even just saying it is like shredding. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also so important because if we don't like everyone has like the thing is like are you fucking kidding like every person who has an ego which is every person has mm. that as a base instinct that's a base instinct totally and, like there's nobody that you're going to meet that doesn't have some level of that or hasn't had to confront and like embrace that part but it is one of those things like my whole body hurt just mm-hmm. when i started to think about it yeah, it's gross. <laughs> it's it's absolutely disgusting, but everybody has it. And that's where I feel like that helps me with acceptance is just reminding myself everything that's going on in here is on some level in some way going on in everybody else's mind. And it's like, that's humanity. Yeah. That, like hu- human beings are amazing and beautiful and all of that. And that's absolutely true. And human beings are disgusting. Yeah. Like, seriously, <laughs> grossly <laughs> fucked up, disgusting creatures. You know what yes. I mean? And all of that's true. it's so true and thinking like don't don't you think there's well for me there's certain pieces where i'm like i might be all of those things but i'm not that and i'm not that and i'm not that and it's like you realize you are oh you you actually are and the the ones you tried really hard not to see you are the ones that you have the most yeah yeah Yeah, and i think that that you have to but like part of the process is like if you don't like anybody that says they don't have that like it just means that that thing still owns them like there's such a freedom in being able to say like to be able to like own those like the worst parts about you like Mm -hmm. and 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 know them and actually try and love them um you know because they don't that means they don't run the show from behind anymore that means that you actually get to like see them as they come up and identify them and say okay that's what that is absolutely and that process and then you can make more ugly You can make more conscious choices, though, because that's the whole thing when you're not even acknowledging or aware of like your own bullshit. Mm -hmm. You're not really making conscious choices around it. But when you're aware of it, you can still like be like, 
okay, I'm a raging, envious lunatic right now that has absolutely nothing to do with my friend. You know what I mean? And I can choose right now to like own this and choose love and choose kindness and choose whatever else I can choose that actually resonates with who I believe I really am, which, you know, be living beyond all of that noise and that ego insanity is like, just this well of love and yeah. compassion, you know, that's yeah. who we all are, I believe. Yeah. Big love. Too. Big love. <laughs> big love, baby. We're all big love. <laughs> We're all big love. <laughs> Did you want to talk about other parts of the book hall? Um, do you want to do heavy and then light or do you want to do light and heavy? <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about the Oogie Loves. I'm sorry. Yeah, I let's can't do that anymore. I just can't. You wrote the worst movie of all time. Like I had, I, when I read that chapter, I was in the hotel room in Chicago and I was like, what is the Oogie Love? And like, I read it and I, I couldn't even make it through. I had to keep on Googling Oogie Loves just to just. See, just to see, but you basically got a movie. You wrote a screenplay for the worst rated movie of all time. Is that about right? For the, <laughs> for the well, I'll, I want it to be exact, so you know it's. It actually isn't the worst rated, but it, it was. It's even better. It's the lowest grossing <laughs> wide release film in history. No, it isn't. It, in yes. history, it's number yes. one lowest grossing high release film in the history of films. And wide release means like that was released on more than 2,000 screens. Yeah, okay. that's crazy. Okay, in history. so many questions about this. All right, first of all, Oogie Loves. Why the fuck? What does that mean? Where did and that why? Come? Why did you even do it? <laughs> Oogie Loves. Explain. Well, it's, the, I mean, the... <laughs> I, I did it because I mean the producer reached out to me to be a writer for this kids film and I was super jazzed. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I also loved the like wait, what? Why did they reach out to you? Were you a writer I, of children's? I've written children's books in the past. Yeah, I have written children's books, but I also knew the producer. He is a friend, so he was familiar with my writing in general, and um, he. He, the Oogie Loves wasn't my name. That's a name that a, for the producer came up with. And um, I wish it was yours. I, <laughs> I do too, actually, because it's such a great name. Um, and he had a great, he had an idea that I absolutely loved, which was he's like, let's make a Rocky horror for children. And he said, so rather than kids having to just sit in the audience and just be quiet through a movie, let's give them opportunities to engage with the screen. So there, which I thought was a brilliant cool. idea. Like, that's cool. Yeah, I think the, um, and so there are a lot of opportunities in the movie, like the the character's Every time these butterflies flutter across the screen, the kids are supposed to get out of their seats and then they dance with the characters. I mean, in, I'm not. Gonna, here's the thing. I, in all honesty, I'm not going to say too much about too much with this because I really love the people who were involved with making this movie. Oh, I, no. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Oh yeah. So, so yeah. for me, I'll talk about my experience. But I mean, it was a. a uh, you know, when you write something that ends up being just like reviled in a, a mean, I mean, the criticism against the Oogie Loves wasn't, it was, it, it was mean. It was like angry. Like people were angry. This movie, movie made it into theaters. And to watch the film, I, I do believe it would have maybe, it would have been better suited for like a TV. It's kind of got a Barney-esque vibe more than big screen movie vibe about it. But 
So it's, it's like uh, the Jar Jar Binks of um, movies. Yes. It was, <laughs> and that experience was, it was brutal. I mean, even though like, look, you're the writer of a movie and what, and, and I can think of a million ways I could have written a better script for sure. It, but the, you know, the writer's one component of a movie. So a lot goes into making the movie happen. So it's, but I still like, I owned every criticism I read and it really, it was that type of thing where you read things and you go into a full body sweat like oh. you're like oh my god this is like this is a nightmare <laughs> like this is oh. off this feels awful and painful and disgusting and this is every this is a laughing stock movie you know what i mean it was the yeah. type of thing it was a joke for most people Oh, you that's terrible. I know, I know. But I really like, I think this is such a big deal, though, because you're like talking about this, this being part of this book. And then what we're talking about in this conversation, I think that this is like you've already been through the worst. I feel like on some level, like this was I mean, this was a a, a, a pretty big deal, right? It was a rock bottom creative moment. <laughs> I mean, oh. I think I got I think I got, I definitely got thicker skin because of it. And I mean, I write that in the, the, the chapter about the Yugi loves, it's about failure and success. And, mm-hmm. and I think the more important or what I hope was really, how do we define success and how do we define failure? And, and I think that that's something that's important to ask ourselves because so many people, if they fail, you know, I guess, however you define it, if you feel you failed at something that prevents a lot of people from even trying it again yeah. or trying something new and I I try to encourage people to well one that's all everyone's failing all the time at everything it's like there's nothing that we deem successful that hasn't been built upon a mountain of failures I really believe that right Um, but also looking at and and I that's the other like when I look at big love and the fact that this book's coming out as much as I write in the book really how I measure my success in the world is like how much I'm operating from a place of love and kindness and compassion these are the things that matter to me right. and that's really how I define success in is like my in my humanity and even with all that there's the other part there's that ego going like oh my God, I hope Big Love sells some copies and people really like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But that isn't, I don't, I really, that's not what's going to make the book successful, even though I do hope that happens and I hope it's successful in that way. I believe like, how's the book going to connect with people and how is it going to inspire them potentially to look at different areas in their lives and to like revisit maybe perspectives they know anyway and have forgotten. How could it, how could it impact uh, inspire them to love more, to consider love in different moments. And then it's going to be successful. And the Yugi loves made me look at all of that because it was such a, a flop. I mean, that's the name of the chapter is flop. Flop. Yeah. It, it, it really, it bombed in such an extraordinary way. And the truth is you guys, there's a part of me that's like, I wrote the biggest flop in the world. Like, I'm no, kind I of think cool. That's something that is, no, that's amazing. I was impressed by it. Like, this was something that I was, I was blown away by and impressed by. And I think like, but can you just so kind of walk through like what it felt like that, like how, how you handled it that weekend, like how you survived the weekend um, or like the first unfolding of it. And then how long it took you to, to start working again and just, and to kind of find your confidence again. Yeah. I mean, so it came out on, when it, well, movies come out on Tuesday, but I think or or Friday, but I think that one came out on a Wednesday because it was before uh, Labor Day. So we we knew immediately there was like a gathering at the producer. We were all gathering and and understand that with the with the film there was also this hope that 
um, you know, I was tied into like merchandising stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was like, there was this hope that this was going to be uh, like financially a wonderful thing for me too. It was like a, a movie that was fun and great for kids and it could set me up financially for a long time potentially. So there was all this riding on it. And, and you know, the, the ticket sales started coming in right away that day. And I went to the U.S. Open tennis. I'm a big tennis fan. And I went there to just distract myself completely. Oh, I went God. with a good friend and watched tennis all day. And um, and then we met at the producer's <laughs> yeah. house that night for, like, the celebration party. And it was like a wake. It really no. it was like a funeral. It was so yeah. sad. And it was – I went – I think – I went into depression. Gorn called in sick to work right away. He was supposed to go to work the next day and he called in for the next several days or that week because he's just saw my face and my energy and everything totally shift. And because it was, it was public too. And it wasn't like so few people saw the Oogie loves that it couldn't even become that public. That's how much of Obama it was that it didn't (laughs) even generate enough publicity to become that public. But it was also public, like the people who were following films and the things being written about it. It was like, this is horrifying. And at the time I thought like I, you know, I was more invested in being a screenwriter. That was really, Mm. I wanted to do, you know, and It was just like, this is this is horrifying. And I would say, honestly, for a week or two, I was feeling the depression of it and the heaviness and the like, I'm a total failure. This is horrible. But I started to shift out of that. And it wasn't that I was I still was like jolted by the criticism and stuff, but I wasn't feeling like this heavy weight of depression and like, I'm never going to write again type thing. And I never really felt like I was never going to write again. That wasn't really... Um, what went on for me. And I wrote a response, which really helped me. It was like this cathartic thing. I wrote this thing um, to the Oogie Loves haters. And it was basically like you would <laughs> you would think we were trying to sell crack to three-year-olds. That was kind of one of the, the lines when like Entertainment Weekly put it up on their site. And it was, that was the catchphrase. And I felt really good. I also felt like I, I wanted <laughs> to defend the people who worked on this movie in, in some way. And um, I don't know, does that answer your, you know, it was, it was yeah. really- Never, it never was like, I'm never going to write again. Yeah. But, but and I really do feel like I got a thicker skin because of it, because it was such a profound um, flop, basically, you know. (laughs) Very few people get to go through something like that, like before, you know, yeah, I mean, like there's what before they um, like before. Well, that's not true. I guess most people go through a lot of failures before they have like, you know, you're publishing a book now, but. I I think maybe what I mean is like it's a more it's it was like a bigger failure like a more public failure yes. it wasn't just like a like a oh that didn't work or that didn't work or that didn't work yeah. it was like oh this is gonna be really big maybe and it's not yeah yeah <laughs> totally and I will say and I, I wrote this in the book too the like an amazing thing how things can come full circle with the Oogie Loves is it was because of that movie that I started my Facebook page mm, and that's I, right because you. I didn't remember that until I was writing the book, how the one of the the PR people on the Oogie was like, hey, you're, you're the writer. You should really get a Facebook page going. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for the film to maybe interact with fans and stuff like that. And my whole Facebook page started because of the Oogie Loves. And then once the Oogie Loves flopped and there weren't any fans and there was no one to interact with, it allowed me, <laughs> it allowed me to look at like, well, we're going to shift this page. Yeah. What do you and it was like, what do you want to write about now? And I'm like, well, I'll write about the thing 
things that I care about, Happiness you know, like love and, and love. yeah, all that stuff. So that's how it all. And how many people are on your Facebook page now? A lot. Almost 360,000. Yeah. That's so yeah. wild. And you have a great, it's a great, because I've done a lot of, like I've, I've sat through a lot of your um, Facebook lives because you're so good at it and just um, pretended like I was hanging out with you. And you have a great, like it's a great community. Yeah, they're they're great. Super engaged uh, and like all over the world and yeah. yeah. I feel like it's very I mean I I think there it's there's a lot of overlap with with the, your community and the kind of I mean just people who are really um I, because I feel like what you all are doing is you're not just helping people um become sober and live a a cleaner life from that perspective you're bringing so much love it's like how how can love also impact this um this road you know how can our truth but supported by that's my experience of the work you're doing is like being really raw and really true and really honest with the beauty and the ugly and the struggle and the triumph and supporting it with this energy of love and And that's what I feel like Glennon is doing in her, like all of the people I'm most drawn to and who are also like big activists. Like Mm -hmm. I think I I see you too as like big activists and they're doing it with this underlying energy. Love ethic. Love. And it's important and it's critical. And it, and, and I feel like that doesn't, and I, and what, what, what I'm seeing in myself too is like, love is inviting me to be different it's like love isn't just silent in the face like because i what think do you mean by spiritu- that i think in the spiritual world and in the the world of people who are on a spiritual path and trying to heal themselves and trying to grow there's there's this sense that to resist anything is an affront to your spiritual nature to be angry about anything is an affront to your spiritual nature so i think there are a lot of spiritual people out there who are like i'm not going to get involved in politics because it's it doesn't feel whole it doesn't feel real it doesn't it doesn't feel awake Mm -hmm. and and i i've seen myself go there and try and struggle to figure out well how do i want how does how do i want to have a role in activism right now and how do i want to speak out in the love energy in me is communicating a few things one it's like be as loving as you can possibly be at all times that's like my that's like my die hard go to way of living my life is it's like allow love to show you how to respond but the mm. love is also saying like do not be silent in the face of injustice. Mm -hmm. That is not love. Mm -hmm. When you, you know, do not be silent. Love is vocal. Love is loud. Love makes noise Mm -hmm. for things that are important. Love makes noise against injustice. Mm -hmm. Like that is also the message of love. And it's a big, powerful, important. And in this world, in this crazy landscape, you know, and I get the landscape's always crazy, but it's more we're inundated with it in a different way because of social media and news and because of, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, well, I think it's, no, I think it's really interesting because what you're, what you're saying is one thing that's, I think something that a lot of us are having a hard time finding a, finding a balance between, because there is Mm -hmm. too much. There is like, there is the complete, you know, there's a sliding scale. There's a complete ignorance and keeping your eye on the, you know, on the enlightenment prize. And I've been to yoga classes that said, we don't even mind that. We look at, like, we don't mind what's going on over there. That's a distraction. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Politics don't belong here. 
Right. Or, or, or like that's just, that's below us or that's, you know, and then, um, on the other end, there is getting so caught up in the minutia and the, and the, and the, like that, it, the parts that don't matter, like mm -hmm. there are so many parts of this that do not matter that you do not need to like mind. I do not need to know what has happened in the last week with Donald Trump Jr. I do not need to read the 30th article about <laughs> yeah, that. Totally. Right. Totally. Um, on the, like, but on the other hand, I cannot like it, within good conscience look away and pretend that this that this is you know but then on the other you know there's all these like other hands in this and i think it's such an important thing to remember um that right that love is absolutely not silent and that love absolutely pays attention to injustice and speaks and 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 speaks for those that cannot speak um but finding that balance between you know a 24-hour news cycle um, and and so much vitriol and so much and so much inanity like just Mm -hmm. well, stupid complete. bullshit yeah. um, and the bigger picture of it is a really hard balance to strike and, and I've seen so some hard. people do it so I mean like I've been following G and she's she's doing a damn good job of, of, of striking mm -hmm. the balance between it um, she's you know. doing an amazing job yeah I think it's hard and I think it's constantly learning and I also think that I'm certain there are moments where she is not striking the balance in her, you know you know what I mean and we we all are and I think you got to find that within yourself and I yeah. listen this is the other thing I really do believe that if I don't I don't necessarily think that everybody that that their journey in, in in this world and path is even that they have to be vocal and speak out and march and protest. I don't I don't think that's necessary. I think that sure. if 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 people if if you know one woman's journey is to sit in a park for 12 hours a day, you know, underneath her favorite weeping willow tree. And that's where she finds her peace. And that's where she feels like she is able to be present in her love and her spirit. I believe that there is energy coming from that one woman that is also powerful for our world. You know, like she is by, by serving herself in that way and in that yeah. presence and in that love, she's also serving our world. You know, she doesn't necessarily have to be a part of the woman's march to, no, to make I a agree. difference. You know, um, but Very it is, it's, it's, yeah, it's tricky and it's a constant process and I certainly haven't mastered it. You know, oh I, I have, no. I, I, I do, I keep asking because there's, I, I get angry so much at what's going on in our world. And I think anger is a, it, it absolutely serves us and it's a powerful tool. I don't think it can, I think it's a powerful starter. I think it's like yeah. the ignition. Yeah. Um, but at some point it's like, well, what can love do with this anger? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how can love how can we use it? bring this? Yeah, how can we use this anger from a place of love and create change that way? And yeah. um, I think there are loads of people doing that. There you know? are. There right. are, and you have to look for it. And and the reality is, I mean, you know, we all are individually just trying to live our lives, too, and, like, staying in your life. I mean, I, I have, you know, having a kid and, like, she's still, you know, I just got interrupted by a call from my... Uh, from her dad that was like, can you bring up boots? Cause it's raining out and she's at camp and it's like, shit still goes on, you know? So how do you, mm -hmm. how do you keep that going? And how do you, you know, Holly and I are both running businesses and how do you like not be on fucking social media all day, which was a thing I wanted to ask you about because you talk about, you talk about ways that you've kind of been addicted to things, but you know, never really f fell down the rabbit hole. But you said, except with social media where you actually got completely despondent and, and mm. like felt helpless about it. Yeah. 
and that's a and it's um that's in it like i'm 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 deeply embarrassed about my social media have if i look at like if i look at shame it's if people knew the number of times i'm refreshing feeds when i'm feeling when i'm consumed with it it's like oh my god like this guy is what could he possibly have to share with us about anyway that comes from any place of wisdom and you know what i mean but that is a it's um but it feels gross i mean the the ugliness for me with social media is when i watch myself just like on twitter and the well you can't the people listening can't see but this is like it's with this despondent <laughs> face and and for me it's like it's my in that moment not just not wanting to be present in my life mm-hmm. not wanting to deal with the anxiety i'm feeling not wanting to deal with the sadness i'm feeling you know all the reasons people numb and escape mm-hmm. um it's uh cuz it's an endless I, supply and i mean it's if you an endless supply and if you have you know which you have a following you have a engaged community you can kind of decide if you you know i need a little bit of this i need a little bit of that and i know i because i've done it you know i'm speaking mm-hmm. not as like oh i'm this imaginary scenario right. like, i have no idea what you're talking uh, i have yeah. no idea what you guys are talking about <laughs> no. but it's 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 tricky um anyway I I just wanted to comment on that because I thought that was one of those things where I was like I wish he said a little bit more about that, but um, but it was brave to talk about, even mention. Yeah, I mean, I look, I am really of the belief that I I don't I look at the people in my life, and I have many people in my life who. Uh, who consciously say, like, I have an addiction to this and that, and they're dealing with it in the way that they're dealing with it. Every, But I can look at everyone else in my life who doesn't feel that they're addicted to drugs or alcohol or gambling or, you know, shopping or whatever the other addictions are. And without exception, I see addictive tendencies in every single person I know, including myself. You know, I think it's such a... Um, there's such a fine line between the the habits we choose to escape feeling in our lives and addiction, you know. And well, I don't. I think we live in it like like Pema says we live in an addicted society. We don't live in an enlightened society. We live in an addicted society. If you look around you, we're addicted to status. We're addicted to power, money, success. Like all of these things. And then there's like, and then there's the loops that like just grab you and take you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, which is like technology is one. Like, like, when, when I am like feeling like shit, I can reach for my phone and I can go on and I can like see something that like will give me a tiny hit, you know? And so it's, um, it's so different. Or distract me. And I think of the, like the, the moments Mm -hmm. when I'm in my feeling like, the major social media addiction. It's like having to have a conversation with myself about not bringing my phone into the toilet. Do you know what I mean? Literally yes. like, no, like, I have no like idea. Hold, that's holding like. the phone and being like, <laughs> you can put it down. You don't have to bring it in, you know? And I, and, but then when eight, you read when you're on the toilet, yeah, eight, I've never eight, texted eight, Holly eight, telling her eight, I'm on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, you can't no, bring them into your the shower yet. And I'll be like, "Well, what the fuck am I going to read?" Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Phone goes in. <laughs> I forbid you bring a magazine in there, or like a book. Right. Whoa. Uh, well, my be dirty. On my phone. Exactly. No, I hear it's, it's great. So what happens? No, you all feel like this is really being productive. Like this is like I I can shit and I can check, check email, email at the same time. 
<laughs> yeah, for me, it's not productive. It's just total addiction. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the joke part of it. Yeah. What is so? What happens now, Scott? Like September seventh. September seventh. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the book. The book comes out, and uh, I'm gonna go on a. I'm gonna have a tour on the West Coast. Those dates are lined up. Nice. And. Yeah, I hope you'll be there, Holly. Where? In San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be in, are you going to be in the Bay Area? But I'll be yeah, in September 1st. I'll, I'll be at the, um, yeah, I'll be at uh, Book Passage in Marin, and, which is an amazing, amazing bookstore. It's in Corte I've Madera. never been there. And I'll be at Book Sync in Mountain View. So there's a North Bay and a South Bay. Okay, I'll so, come to the North Bay. Okay, Any East cool. Coast visits planned? Just going to start planning that. Yeah, right now it's West Coast, but East Coast is going to, um, and Boston for sure, and New York. Yes, good, yeah. good. Um, I'll be there. The West Coast will be Portland and LA and the Bay Area and Seattle and Vancouver. Nice. Vegas. Ooh, really? Yeah. And Are all- you nervous about this? I am, uh, yeah, I'm not, the book reading type thing, I'm nervous about everything yeah. <laughs> to do with this, you know, but the, <laughs> Yep. The book events in the bookstores, I'm not as nervous about is like when I do workshops, because those are all, you know, it's free to the public and mm-hmm. it's in the bookstore and you can just kind of choose to read a piece from the book. And then, um, you know, I'll talk a little and answer questions or whatever. And you don't have to like prepare material you know, per se. You could just answer questions. Exactly. Yeah. And people are just kind of coming to like, they're not they're not coming to a workshop to have their lives changed. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just want to chat for a little no bit. No pressure. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, yeah, that's what's, that's what's happening. Oh, uh, so I'm exciting. super, I'm super excited. Yeah. Me I'm too. so excited for you. It's going to be you. here in like a hot minute. No, which I will know. be great. I know probably gives you agita, but it'll be great because then the, it, it's like the release valve at least comes off. Like it's happening. It, totally. <laughs> yeah. It's here. And I can't wait to walk. Honestly, I'm very excited to walk into bookstores and yeah. <laughs> and I love the cover. It's yeah, the first. I love, I love it so much. I and I can't too. wait to see that. And that was their first cover they sent as a. Oh, really? And you were like, yes, that's the one. Yes. Like they sent a, a few, but that was the first one. And I'm like, I love this cover. It's amazing. It's like, I love it, love it, love it. And oh, they loved it, loved it, loved so it. And exciting. it was, we went with it. Yeah. Can so. I read the blurb that Glennon did for it? Oh, please, please. Has there ever been a more crucial time for big love to be released into our world? Scott Stabile is one of my favorite love artists and activists. His voice is in this vital new book is fresh and relevant. His message urgent and universal. Scott is a force for love in a time when we are all desperate for healing. I look to Scott for wisdom and leadership, and he has delivered both with big love. This book opened my heart and my mind, and I'm forever grateful. How did that feel? <laughs> Glennon, Glennon Doyle. Mount, Glennon Doyle. Yeah, it now felt, Glennon it, Doyle. Yeah. No felt, mountain. No mountain. On the on the book, it'll be, oh, I don't know if it got in in time. I think they got in in time to it's change. That's okay, because people know her. <laughs> she, yeah, exactly. I think that um, it'll pass. It felt pretty, I mean, it felt great. <laughs> it felt pretty cool, you know. It felt, um, no, it feels exciting. You know, for me, Glennon is a big hero, you know. Her- yeah. So I, I feel like that to have her reading my book or have her and her name's going to be, I think on the bottom, I think they kept that there like a piece of her yeah. quote yeah. for, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's just a big honor. Do you know what I mean? I adore her. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) We're like the presidents of the Glennon family. (laughs) Yeah, we're like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Who's Glennon? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good. And so good to see your face. Yeah. You too. Are we done? Does that mean we're done? I think so, yeah. I um, No, I think it's good. I think we should say your book is available September 7th, 2017. Is it available for pre-order? It's oh, yeah, it's available for pre-order now. It's available uh, on Kindle. It's available as an audiobook, and I had to audition to read it. Are you serious? Did yeah. you wait? Did you win? I won. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so Which was cool because I really wanted to read it. Yeah, people, you need to go and pre-order it. Pre-ordering ma- matters a lot, 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 lot. For Scott, absolutely so, does. So yeah. go pre-order it now before it's out on September 7th. Yeah. yeah. I don't know when this is being aired, but yeah, if it's aired before September 7th, please. I think it is the August 9th. I yeah. think August 9th is when this comes out. Yeah. So we'll we'll definitely get it out ahead of time. Okay. Great. Yeah. I love you both. I love you too. I love you so much. <laughs> Infinitely so